after today, well, I, I made a mistake and I thought we started at six. And so I started everything early. But afterwards, I was like, you know, I have family that I suspected were Jewish, like in my family tree. So I looked at my family tree and I did last name searches for the Holocaust database. And both of those names are in the database. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. What made so, you suspect that? Um, <clears throat> because those two branches of the family are from um, a mostly Jewish part of France, mm -hmm. um, Western France. And, wow. um, and, uh, the last names are like S S C H E U and Zwiebel. So they're very mm. Jewish last names. Right. Um, but like that whole part of our family history is, is like lost. It's, it's strange. So it'd be interesting to see, um, yeah, it would be. see if it connects somehow. I know names on names on the shy. Um, that's how you say that shy. Um, names were familiar when I searched the last name. There were names in there and and birth dates that were familiar um, to my family tree. I don't know if they're the same people, but could be. Mm. Very sad. Very sad. Yeah. What a downer. Well, this is definitely a downer of a movie. For yeah, sure. thanks, thanks, Blake. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> this was—I had to stop a couple times in the movie just to not feel things. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's a it's in the way it's filmed, it's made to just not stop. It's you, very much you once you get going, you can't. It, it's like it's like the movie. Uh, it's tension heavy. Yeah, like I like I could feel me clenching my jaw the entire time I was watching the movie. But what what movie were you saying? It's like the movie Speed, where uh, you With can't Keanu slow... Reeves. Well, is that the one where it's in the bus? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and they can't slow down the bus. <laughs> That's what it felt like. We gotta keep it above fifty five <laughs> miles per hour. <laughs> That's well, Keanu Reeves what, and uh... what was your name, Annie? Annie. You have to drive the bus, Annie. That's Sandra Bullock, right? Sandra yeah. Bullock, yeah. 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 There's a sequel, too. I think there's Speed 2. Speed 2. <laughs> that was the one with the boat. boat. Yeah. It was, it was a cruise ship. I've never seen it. Is it a cruise ship? Yeah, it's a cruise ship. That's called with, a cruise control. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Speed yeah. 2, cruise control. And it's, and it's on a boat. And it's her, and uh, it doesn't have Keanu Reeves in it. Oh, the bad guy is Willem Dafoe. How do they get in that situation again? <laughs> Who knows? And I and I imagine a cruise ship is much easier to keep it at a, at a constant speed without much danger to their surroundings yeah, than a bus. Yeah, you just turn it turn it to the right and then <laughs> yeah. just keep going around in a circle, just... wouldn't you? <laughs> I can't imagine that was much of a challenge unless there's just icebergs all over them and they're just freaking out and they're trying to dodge all the ice. So apparently they're programmed. I'm reading the synopsis on Wikipedia. <laughs> they're programmed to crash on, into an oil tanker, and they're trying to stop the crash from happening. 
Oh, so it's not like you have to keep it at constant speed. It's no, I uh, guess it's like set on a on a course, and they're trying to change it. So or... if they if the oil tanker moves, then it doesn't thwart the plan. <laughs> <laughs> the ocean is a very big place. It's not this like it definitely home. did not make back its budget. <laughs> <laughs> it was no uh, uh, the blind side for Sandra Bullock. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> well welcome to dinner with a movie this is uh starting the podcast is what we're doing right now i'm one of your hosts blake <laughs> I'm joined by brandon and we're joined by jose yay to talk about a real downer of a movie is what we're here to talk about yeah um, that's why we had a serious opening <laughs> speed. <laughs> well the movie is son of saul and um for our meal we this is the first time we've had food that wasn't in the movie um we made i made goulash which is a traditionally hungarian uh dish um i'm not going to pretend to know the specifics of the dish and it's uh importance to hungary culture uh so this is well, textbook they, cultural appropriation they made it because they were hungry <laughs> <laughs> but what matters is that it was delicious yes, very good very you. good thank you mm-hmm. you're very welcome i'm glad i could finally cook something for you guys because i feel like i only bring ice cream is what i've done <laughs> when i can't find it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I guess um, I'll start off by just saying why I chose this. I, I watched this in the theater when it first came out. Um, it was right after it won the Oscar, so not when it first came out. Because um, it won the Grand Prix at Cannes, and then it won Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, and then within that year, I, I watched it in the theater. Um, and it was part of the time where I was thinking about if I wanted to go to film school. And it was one of the movies that made that decision more obvious to me, um, wanting to leave Reno and come down and study film because it's a, this is a spoiler 10 out of 10 for me. It's very indicative of, of what a 10 out of 10 film is to me in ways that it changes what a movie can be to me and what emotions I can feel in a movie and how stories can be told through a visual media and um that aside from the story and what happens in the movie is enough to push this to a 10 for me because i've never seen a movie shown this way before or told in this way and me especially in that time of my life like on the cusp of a major life decision i was like fuck this movie just really is so emotional and so harrowing and and so brutal in, in the way that it tells a story but also um, it's hard to praise a movie that is so that shows nothing but bad you know it's hard it's hard to to say i liked this movie because it showed awful things is essentially what it was but but it is um is very raw and i think that's that's something that you don't see told in this way a lot i guess is what i'm trying to say and yeah that that's that's my two cents about why i picked this one but you do see saul's lightness through the dark (coughs) right Um, yeah so yeah i i i i would argue that 
the lightness is much less light than it leads to be. Mm-hmm. I I think it it is. It's 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 hopeful for a moment, and and by the end of the movie, I don't think this movie has any hope in it. In my opinion, I I think it it is it is a story of someone trying to find his humanity and trying to find that hope, but the failure of it is something that is. I walked away from this movie feeling I, I, yeah. Right. It doesn't have a feel good ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's the furthest from a feel good ending that a movie could have. Well, that little Polish boy survives. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and does I- he, <laughs> does he survive? Well, well, he the, survives. The soldiers just told him to, that day. to head on. Yeah, yeah. He runs into the woods. Yeah, he's got blonde hair. He's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jose, got some uh, not so fun facts about this movie. I do have some not so fun facts. Son of Saul came out in 2015. Its runtime is an hour and 47 minutes. Its director is Laszlo Nemes, and then he's also the writer along with Clara Royer. Um, Blake, I know you usually look up the cinematographer, but before we get there, the way this movie is made, um, I was reading the trivia is, so they filmed it on 40 millimeter, uh, film. And then they also, the sound design for it is limited to anything that a person with normal hearing would hear in the, in their regular bubble essentially meaning like within the distance that they were in exactly so like anything that you wouldn't hear as a person in the your area in the you don't hear it in the movie if saul wouldn't be able to hear it and i think it took them i think the sound design was the longest part like the longest process of the movie it took five months to get right wow Mm -hmm. because they recorded everything that they said on set separately as well everything mm-hmm. so really? they could so they could adjust the volumes of everybody to base to fit that because they set very specific goals when they filmed everything and that was one of their like they predetermined that when they were writing the script that he couldn't hear any or the audience wouldn't be able to hear anything that Saul wouldn't be able to hear so they recorded all the lines separately for other characters like more more of the background characters and they could reinsert them later so they could have control over that level of uh, volume. Well, that would definitely make sense, too, in terms of having to make the blocking of the scene go smoothly. Because if you had to reset not only for a messed up placement of an actor, but also because someone flubbed a line or someone spoke or an too extra, loud. Yeah, an extra was too yeah. loud or something. Yeah, that would that would make that a lot easier. Yeah, I was amazed by the choreography. Um of the the scenes, how everything, everyone had to work together and be in the right place at the right time. Because some of these, some of these scenes are very long. It's uh the whole movie <clears throat> consists of 85 shots. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. none of them, I think the longest one is four minutes. You can, you can definitely see, um, Laszlo's, um, like Bellatar's influence on Laszlo. 
Bellatar? Yeah, Bellatar. Um, he, Laszlo was um, an assistant director, one of the assistant directors on um, uh, Bellatar's, one of Bellatar's movies, um, The Man from London, I believe it was. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, The Man from London in 2007. And Bellatar does these very long, drawn out shots of like minutes and you can you can see that influence in his work. Mm. He's Bellatar's, um, I believe, Hungarian also, as well. So, um, yeah, you can. Yeah, one of my favorite movies is a Bellatar film. So this was, I could see the I could see that influence. Which one's the the one that you like from him? Damnation. It's called Damnation. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I know you mentioned like you don't usually like long takes in movies, um, but I think it's used to great effect here. Did I say that? You did say that at some point. Maybe I did. I yeah. I guess I'm referring more to. It depends I don't know if on the film. Roma. Yeah. yeah, it really depends like, on the film. <clears throat> I I I know there's some movies that try to create an atmosphere of of just kind of like just being in a room by just having like a static shot, like a long static shot of not much happening. That's that's where I am not very interested. Mm -hmm. While this one, I feel like every long take is very purposeful. Yeah, because it's not a break. Um, there's not a break in your real life, um, especially in this type of situation in in um, a prison camp. There's no break. Saul doesn't get a break, and yeah, we're even with when him. He's yeah. He's told to go do something. Someone on the way there will tell him to stop what he's doing and do something right then. And then someone will grab him and pull him and say, no, you're going to go do this for me. And then. Exactly. Just, and we're yeah. on that. We're on that ride with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, cinematographer was Matthias Erderly. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, but uh, he also did The Nest and Sunset recently. Um, I, I haven't seen anything that he's done otherwise but um sunset was also laszlo right yeah yes yeah yeah the lead actress was was l ella from this yeah. julie um, jacob mm -hmm. and uh yeah the cinematographer cannot get enough praise for this because by golly well i want to I, I i should have looked this up i want to praise the steady cam operator for this because keeping saul at that close-up at probably a very shallow lens for the four minute long takes walking through crowds. That is just astonishing how someone could even physically do that. Yeah. He's probably a big buff guy. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> You'd have to be to carry that equipment around with you. Oh yeah. Do you guys think that it's actually a son? No, 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 I don't think it is. No, it's not. I, don't, I think I, I don't think believe it is. I think there was a double meaning when he's talking to Abraham and and he says it's not a son from my wife. Um, I took that as partially uh, he's he's trying to tell Abraham like, oh yeah, it might not be for my wife, but it's from someone else. But I took that more as he's adopted him as his own, mm -hmm. and he may not be his son, but he feels responsible. Because I think this this is a this is a a son that or a, a child 
that by chance survived the gas chamber and it's it, like the doctor said we've only had one other case of this so that's the like the only chance he has to do something of this sort and i i think he took he took that advantage and said i'm adopting this person as my responsibility and i i want to give him a proper burial but no i don't i don't think he has an actual familial attachment to him i'm just curious cuz when i was reading the trivia for this uh the director and writer definitely started the script with it being actually being his son. Really? And with each rewrite, it became less and less ambiguous, or it became more and more ambiguous. Mm. And so his intention was originally for it to be his son, but I think you're right. I think it's more powerful for this to be some kid that he's latched on to, some desire to... Essentially, he's accepted his fate, right? He knows what's going to happen to him because he has to help everybody else to their fate. He has to lead them to to the chambers. And so he knows what's going to happen to him. And this is just him. The whole movie, you know, the whole movie is him latching on to the smallest, which uh, seemingly insignificant child and him assigning it all of the worth and value in the world. But the the I think the the possibility of it just being some random kid is better than it being if it were actually his son. I think it yeah, I agree. I think it makes more sense to have it be something that makes less sense. It would make more sense if this was his actual son. And it's he wants to give it a burial because this is his son, but having it be a random kid of much of, of he must have seen hundreds and hundreds of kids die in this, and having it being just a another kid, and he goes out of his way to do this for that, and a lot of the stuff that Saul does in this, I don't think makes sense to to people watching it. It's it's not he's not trying to push the rebellion. He's not doing anything to protect himself he's he's doing this one selfless act in to someone that he has no attachment to and i think that makes the reason he's doing it more powerful than if it was oh of course it's his son he has to do this mm-hmm. <clears throat> i think what i struggled with 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 in regards to him latching on to to the boy was we don't excuse me i um i questioned why why this boy and why now of all of all times why was it because um the boy survived or was it because he watched him die because he's not really watching the people actually die in the gas chambers, he can hear them, but not see them. So it's the first person we actually see actually die. Um, other than the people we hear die in the film. And, and I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know, God damn it. I didn't know his motivation. Um, because he's pretty stoic before, before this event, he doesn't show any emotion. His face is blank. Um, 
he's doing what he has to do to survive. Like, like all of these men are in this camp. Um, and I think as an American, um, we're used to knowing what someone's motivation is, what their, um, what motivates them to proceed on to the next thing in a, in a narrative film. Whereas this it, being ambiguous, it, it detaches itself from that. Um, but, but we're still there with him. I'm still there. I understand, um, why he wants it so much, but then it becomes an obsession for him. And then, then I get it. I get it. It's a re it's his redemption. Um, because so many people have come through there to me, so many faceless people have gone through there and been killed, not by his hands, but, but he's part of the machine, just like all of the other prisoners are. And this was his way to, to redeem himself in his own eyes, not in anybody else's eyes, his own. Um, and to me, that's, that gives it, that gives it the meaning it needs. Very. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it, it's heavy because there's no... Well, a lot of movies that take on similar subject matters, you know, just the people locked up. Um, there's always some sort of laughter and joy among them. But you can't really show that in a concentration camp during the middle of the Holocaust because there is none, you know? And the movie is just heavy the whole way through. Mm -hmm. And like I was mentioning, the whole time I'm watching it, my, I'm grinding my, I'm like clenching my jaw, I'm grinding my teeth, feeling this ounce of tension that they must have felt living this every day. And finishing the movie, you just sit there and it, it's hard to, to even consider, to even come close to pretending to know what it was like to be in their situation is especially for the the sonder commando to be part of this group of people and then be forced to lead your own kind to their death i i think that's very poignant showing that specific group in the concentration camps the people that are just forced to do it and they they have no other choice other than die which is interesting that they'd rather help them do this than die in the gas chambers with them. Like it's such a weird decision for for an individual to make that they'd rather live even though they know what they have to do to survive, which is essentially help murder their own um, their own people, and. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those movies, I think, just left me speechless for a couple of minutes after I finished it. Well, a lot of most movies that you see are trying to make you empathize with with everyone involved in the movie. 
and most movies you can empathize and in this it's it's such a foreign idea of being put into the situation that it, it's almost like i i i can't imagine myself in any of this situation it is hard to fully empathize because it like you said it's only an ounce of what is actually happening and it's almost like okay i i can't pretend to be like oh wow i like i that's so horrible i get that it's 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 just like i i have to i i don't i think it is because saul's motivations make more sense by the end i think but throughout it is very um at times confusing why he's doing things and and even at the end all of his his people in the Sonar Commando are saying, like, why are you doing this? They don't even understand why he's doing it. And I think this movie is surely trying to make you empathize with the situation and 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 say that these horrible, horrible things happened. But when I'm watching this, I'm not thinking like, oh, I get it. You know, it's more it's more like trying to view this from an outsider perspective and see what historically as people as humans should take away from this event because it's it, it feels much more much more um higher purpose as to um what people can take away from this movie because it, in most movies it is walking away and saying like oh i related to that character because he went through this and and that emotionally moved me because of this but a movie that is so purely meant to just make you feel um terrible and watch people go through terrible things it it is hard to to walk away from it and and know exactly what you were meant to take from it wait if if you guys were to say what um message or purpose this movie had for you do you know what you'd be able to kind of say that is cuz the the very the very first thought is always you know Nazis bad right like that's that's like the very Shallow well, yeah, purpose that, of everything. Right, that but we all, you saying, know, we all know yeah. that. <laughs> or I say we all know that. I guess some people don't know that Nazis are bad. Yeah, right, right. But, <laughs> but um, that's the surface level message. The Holocaust was bad. People died. You should feel sad well, that these people died. Yeah, right? That's that, the that surface level. The message of any Holocaust movie, right? It's never, mm-hmm. it's never on the German side. Which, I mean, if you shot a Holocaust movie that was on the German side, then... You, you should probably just hang it up and and, and leave town. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't know that this movie has um, has a meaning uh, for me other than um, it doesn't sugarcoat anything. It's not. Um, it's not making someone out to be a hero. Um, it doesn't, um, it's not a profile in courage in any way. It's not, um, it's not something anybody can relate to, but it does show, um, a glimpse of what it probably was like for these people in these situations. 
um, where no other film that I have ever seen has, has done that shown the dead bodies shown that these prisoners were forced to do this to their own people shown how they were treated by the Nazis shown how they were treated by each other. Um, which, which is, um, it's like a slice of, of real life, how true it is. I don't know. I know that they did work with, with historians and, um, and based it off a book that was, um, written on experiences, um, from the Sonderkommandos that survived. So I would, I would assume that the film does give a slice of, of true, um, trueness to it of, of what it was actually like. And the only thing I could think of while watching this film was all of the people that deny that this ever happened, that they are actually doing a disservice to themselves. They're actually doing a disservice to themselves and their families and their children because they are denying that something this horrible and grotesque can happen in the world and they're dooming themselves to have it happen again. And I hope to God it never does. And I hope to God it never happens to anybody. Um, and, and this is, this is one of those never forget moments to me, never forget that, that this happened 80 years ago. It feels like it was just around, just around the corner, but it happened before my lifetime, but it happened 80 years ago. And it's still very much, um, alive today. Yeah. I mean, you especially see it even at the, the storming of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. There are people wearing shirts and flags and everything relating to the Holocaust. Yeah. 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 The anti-Semitism, um, the racism, um, but you know, there's good people on both sides, <laughs> you know, <sighs> fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand how people could, could be that naive and be that, um, I mean, it's, they're selfish, right? That That's the whole point. They're, they've decided to craft their own reality as to what history actually is for their own benefit. Yeah. And it's the same people that don't wear masks. It's not even it's, it's them selfish. being naive. It, it it's, is selfish. It's deliberate, right? They're not naive. They're deliberate. Well, I, they I, know what they're they know what they're doing. I think there's there's also a, a portion of the group that is grown up into a household that believes that, or a group that believes that, and that that fostering of friendship or family with that belief goes hand in hand, and at like a certain point. And and this is a lot of how of how Nazism was brought out so so um, largely in Germany at the time was because of the groups and the the information that was spread in those groups became so t- tied to people's identities that you can't ha- you can't be wrong and you can't 
believe in anything outside of what you were told at, at growing up or now like in an online group that you're in or whatever conspiracy theory group that you follow and and yeah it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy you say it enough and then you end up believing it and it becomes so entrenched in your own belief that you're walking around capitol hill with a nazi flag it's it's and it starts with acceptance right and the acceptance that if it doesn't affect you then why do you why care about it right that that's what happened with with germany and and hitler's ideals he was very forward about what he believed in but because in the moment it benefited them they kind of ignored it right this acceptance there's this deliberate acceptance of these ideas that <laughs> lead to these bigger problems and it's the same thing now right so many people dismissed trump right four years ago or when he started running five six years ago because the absurdity of how he spoke and what he said mm-hmm. and so instead of ending the ending the problem there and they just dismissed him and let him continue what's going on right and so that's what leads to like you said the fostering of this misinformation to that ultimately leads to riots in, at the capitol building yeah it's this uh, it's this inability to to acknowledge how accepting or how just ignoring certain types of people leads to bigger problems if it only if it doesn't affect you that that's essentially what happened right with the with how Hitler came to power mm-hmm. he was he was able to increase the wealth of certain individuals who had enough power to allow Hitler to rise to power and it's the same thing now the individuals that allow trump to rise to power benefit from their wealth increasing and, and that's what it boils down to if you if you benefit from it or if it doesn't affect you most people don't care but a lot of those people that stormed the capitol their 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 wealth hasn't increased no but they've been given a platform to think that one day it will. To spew, they've been given a platform to spew their their hatred and their bigotry. Right. They're not they're not increasing their financial portfolio or their wealth in any way. Right. Well, it's also people people led to believe that the reason that's true is because of these other people, these people they need to fight against is is that's why they haven't gotten their right. wealth is because these other people have led to that and They're all the of reason and, for and it. all of the others are anyone who doesn't agree with you right right and it's like you know hitler blamed the problems of germany on on the jewish people yes mm-hmm. and trump blames the problems of the united states on on African Americans, on Hispanics, on minorities, you know, it's the same on beats on, over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. On China. And, on China. And China, right? Yeah. It's it's the same things. You're just changing the group of people that are being 
diminished. Yeah. And you hear it enough, some like you're saying, if you hear it enough times, whether it's from your parents or something, somebody is going to believe it. And I think that's the frustration with people who don't, who deny the Holocaust, right? They don't have a reason to change their mind. And they've been listening to this for so long. And I mean, you know, four years isn't a long time. This is this problem doesn't start with the current political climate. This has been lasting. I know for, it's been going on for a long time. Thirty years at least. Right since the since uh, maybe Nixon since Nixon. But point being is, just ignoring situations like this is is frustrating. For. For the rest of us, right? You know, for for if you for who you consider to be good people, it's frustrating because they're not the loudest group. And and you know, to to bring it back to the movie, we need movies like this. Yeah, because you you who the you know it, this they could any one of the individuals who stormed the Capitol. If one of them changed their mentality from watching this movie, that's what it takes, right? It's one at a time to... You, you can't change everybody's mind at once. But if, if movies like this exist that are able to leave you speechless and you're able to even pretend that you can consider what they felt during the Holocaust, it, it's important to... And I, I don't think enough of these are made. Yeah. You have to be yes. willing you have to be willing to to consider changing your mind as well. You have to be open to it too. And I think I think a lot of what today's problems are are people's minds are closed. They're, it's closed to change. It's it's only they're only focused on what they believe, whether that is a lie or not. Um and and that's yeah. That's enough of that, I think. Uh, I want to talk about how this movie treats its side characters and and the world around it because it is um, it does create a world within this camp. Yeah, in, in, among the the Sunder Commandos, and I never heard of the Sunder Commandos before. Before, so this was very interesting to me. I I, I did not know that it was a part of of the camps. And having a story told in that from that group was was so unique and um, like like you're saying, Brandon, this is pretty much like a documentary through recreation, mm -hmm. as as for what its purpose essentially is is making a film about things that happened to show what happened, and and this especially was effective to me because it did teach me things. Um, in the camps that I had no idea about. You hear about it all the time in school, but you, you, and then you watch, you know, Schindler's List and things like that. That's the mainstream kind of knowledge of this sort of stuff, but this is so visceral. It's so you're, you're in there, you're feet away from a person, the entire movie you're, you're going through it. You're it's in like, the trenches with him. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and I think the way that, uh, the side stories and, and the whole plot of the rebellion happening throughout this is made, 
so much more interesting because of Jose, what you're saying, how they how they made it so you could only hear what you would hear if you were next to Saul. You could only see what you would see in the camera. It purposely frames things out. It leaves a lot of things out of focus. It it is so purposeful in what you see to make you very much in Saul's like point of view. And it took me a couple watches to fully realize what was exactly happening around him because there's so much overla- overlapping dialogue. There's people talking while things are are going on around them, and and everyone everyone's motivations are really confusing at first because you don't exactly know who's who and what's what because they only pop in for like a minute and then they say oh i'm doing this or saul you do this and yeah i I think it it tells such an interesting story behind the scenes just as much as saul himself I, i know they made a deliberate choice um the director at least when one of his ideas when when filming was that the film couldn't be beautiful and it couldn't be appealing, right? Because because you're saying the whole point of it is to feel that raw emotion that someone surrounded by a group of people planning a rebellion would feel, and these side stories, you know, every single one of these side stories could be its own movie, because. Right, you know, any story for any individual that's ever existed could probably have a movie made of them. But it's this, it's their desire to live that makes it so interesting. And Saul's accepted his fate, but it's it's his desire to bury his son. And then uh, Abraham and Biederman, Mm -hmm. right? Biederman, yeah. They're very they're set on their goals and their desires to survive, and they they have not resolved to die in those camps yet. And it, I think, it makes at times I felt frustrated with Saul because of these side stories. Watching them trying to live and survive is fr- was frustrating to watch Saul just accept that he's he's ready to die. Yeah, not only is he ready to die, he's he's ready to give up things that would help in the survival of others. He right. loses the gold, he loses the powder, he's bringing a body in that possibly opens them up for investigation. And yeah, that, that is what's especially frustrating from what he does. And so the, the, these side characters add a lot of that frustration to the movie and tension. Yeah, especially because they, they, they yeah. confront him about it all the time. Mm-hmm. They're not ones to hold back what they're feeling because why would you? You're you're at the point in your life where you could die at any moment. So why would you sh- why would you hold back on anything that you're feeling? They they have no reason to do that. I particularly really liked Abraham's character. He he every time he was on screen, I I was always just like, oh, I hope I get to hear what he says. I hope it's not going to pan away from him or something because he has a certain. Uh, he he draws attention. Yeah. In a, in a good way. And and he he's he's frustrated with Saul. He has his purpose to lead to lead these people out, but he also does empathize with Saul, I think, especially when that that one guy brings Saul up to him and says, "I brought this guy. He's going to fight for us." And then Saul asks for him to please let me go, and he does. He leaves him. And oh yeah, whenever all hell is breaking loose. Mhm. Yeah. Is yeah. uh, Abraham Hungarian as well? I think so, because he speaks Hungarian, right? 
It I was so bad at determining what language they were speaking yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Unless it was German. German, like, stuck, stuck out for me. Yeah, because, yeah, even when we were talking about it last week, if you look at the Wikipedia page for this, there's, like, eight languages being spoken in this movie. Right. It's, right. Yeah, and there's really no way, because they kind of all mesh when they're all talk, being talked well, to. Well, he does in this. speak... Um, okay. He does speak very fluently with with Saul. And I don't know if that's Hungarian. Um, I know there's a lot of, of Yiddish spoken as well. So um, I don't know what language it is, but I mean, they can communicate. I was trying to figure out their badges. And from what I could just see is that um, Saul and Biederman are both Jews. And... Um, Abraham's patch is that of a political prisoner. Mm. His was red. He had a red and black badge. So I, I'm I not know the thinking that he's that. Jewish. I don't know if he was Jewish or not. Mm-hmm. But it would make sense why he has this desire to to lead the rebellion, to lead a rebellion. Yeah. And it was interesting to me um, how Abraham just felt like it was his natural role. Like the actor, he just, the mm-hmm. way he carried himself throughout the film, he feels like a natural leader to the, to he them. would, he would feel like the main character in any other movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he has that. It's how he carries himself throughout the film. Not even Biederman, who's supposed to be in charge of them, really carries that presence. Right. I think, um, I think Saul's ability to move from one part to the the next part to the next part we get we get a full view of what happens in this camp he starts out um outside the gas chambers and once they go in they start going through the people's clothes um he just starts taking them down and throwing them on the floor and you're 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 left to wonder, oh no, what's happening? You, from the first watch, you have no idea what's going on. And then you realize that that these people are dying. And um, then it goes from that to um, taking, them, taking them up in the elevator. And we go outside with the locksmith where they're burning them outside. Um, you go down into into where they're shoveling coal into furnaces and they're putting people into the furnaces as well and you even you even go with Saul to where they're getting rid of the ashes out in the river whenever he goes to look for the the is it the renegade rabbi is that what they call him mm-hmm. the renegade right the greek rabbi so you get this full or rabbi yeah um you get this full this full picture of exactly step by step how these people were were killed and then whenever they get overwhelmed with people um you get you get where where saw almost dies trying to find a rabbi and the prisoners that are being led to to an open pit and just being shot in the head and let fall into a, a mass grave um, that's another picture of how they were getting rid of people. 
and and this is all through his travels around in this this small area um thousands of people it's 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 kind of amazing how that how they constructed that um that flow to me um I like this movie more in my second watch because I could I knew Saul's story and I could pay attention to all of the other stories. I could pay attention to m- more of what was going on in the background and get the full picture. I, I I'm uh, I'm a stupid American and I barely know one language, and um, I I could only guess what it would be like to know two or three of the languages used in this film and not have to read subtitles and not have to miss part of the film while you're reading. Um, and, and know exactly what's going on in certain parts of the movie. Cause there are, there are some parts of the movie that aren't interpreted. Right. And the, the subtitles are interesting, which scene, what actors or, what lines that are spoken actually have subtitles? Right, like it, it's deliberate. Th- yeah, it's deliberate. It's very, um, it's very focused on narrative, um, and um, there. I think there's a lot in the background that's missed um, when you don't when you don't speak the the, the languages natively. And I think it's it it, it might be it might be um, calculated in a way where you get you get from it exactly what you should on on your different levels of watching which is genius my interpretation of the subtitles uh, of that was that we could only see the subtitles for the things that Saul mostly understood no that's that's that was my because he he obviously understood some German and he, he he mostly knew what they were asking um that was my how I interpreted that. When Saul goes to the, um, to shovel the ashes and he throws that rabbi's, um, shovel into the lake and, um, and getting him killed over that is very much shocking. And compared to like what he does throughout it, I kind of forgot about that by the end. By the end of the movie, I forgot that he had directly resulted in that person's death. And um, it makes you wonder because he he saw that firsthand. You see on his face when he hears the gunshot of that rabbi. And um, it makes you wonder what's going on in his head. If he's thinking, if he's feeling guilt over that or if he's... Because he says to the one guy later... And he says, you're going to get us all killed. And he says, we're already dead. I wonder right. if that's kind of how he views this as he's getting this done. And if people die as he do, does it, they were going to die anyways. So this is kind of his journey. It's kind of like, what would your headspace? It gets you to think, what would your headspace be if you were in that situation? You know, the the... The movie takes place over a day and a half, correct? Mm-hmm. A lot happens to to Saul, and I think the 
the renegade dying or getting killed over Saul happens right where it the it fits best in that part of the movie because you're like you said you kind of forget about it by the end of the movie because you want Saul to achieve his goal at regardless the cost and that just um you you asked earlier like what message I got from the movie and the main thing that I was thinking about is you don't you never know why someone is doing why what they're doing that was the the message that I I was really thinking about watching this and you know Abraham kind of understands really is the only person and then the doctor I can't remember his name right now but you don't really ever understand why someone has the motivation that they do is the message that I was thinking of and you're right you totally forget about the Saul being directly responsible for the death of the rabbi he also has put into jeopardy the life of the doctor mm-hmm. because the doctor's missing that child yeah. now right so yeah. he yeah they're going to be asking him where it is and and I wonder it, it is interesting cuz all these characters you see I wonder who tried to escape during that attempt and what happened to all of them because that that certainly not all of them in the shack that they end up at the end but um yeah to go back to your point Jose um I yeah it's very much even by the end of this movie I've watched this movie four or five times um I still don't get it I I still don't understand his full purpose and motivation and and i think that is the core of this movie is you may not get it but that doesn't give you a reason to write it off that doesn't because you will never we will never ever ever know what mental position that he is in like at what reasoning he has given himself to do this and what justification and yeah especially looking at these historical events of this proportion of this magnitude of this specific event that it, it is impossible to put yourself in that headspace it's, it is impossible to relate to like you're saying brandon and um yeah this movie specifically is it's such an interesting plot to put in the middle of a holocaust film it's not about the rebellion it's not about trying to get pictures out to the to the army to bring them there it, it is it's about a, a seamless, a seemingly meaningless purpose in kind of a just a shit show, and it really is so interesting to tell that story and to have all the other interesting stuff happening outside. And and I, yeah, I think that's that's very very well done in this one. I don't I don't see Saul as being responsible for the rabbi the renegade rabbi dying. Um I see Saul as being frustrated that the rabbi wouldn't wouldn't talk to him, wouldn't help him. Um and that's why he throws his shovel. But the rabbi decides to go out into the water seemingly to commit suicide to to drown himself. And Saul runs out there to save him and grabs him and pulls him back up to shore, even while they're being shot at. Um, because it, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't quick, like some kind of escape attempt or anything. 
Um, but whenever they were brought back up, it was it was plain that Saul had pulled him from the river. And then they're asked by by the Nazi guard what happened. Can neither of you tell me what happened? And Saul is the only one that speaks up. His shovel, his shovel, he was going out to get his shovel. His shovel was was flung into the, the river. And he was going out to get his shovel. And I think that's what saves him and kills the rabbi. Um, yeah, it's Saul's action. Um, that puts them in that situation, but the the rabbi had decided to kill himself. To me. Um. So I I don't I don't blame Saul for that death. I don't I don't. Um, it's the situation that they were in. Yeah, but Saul also. Um, saved the camera and the pictures. And cats, the the um, locksmith, as well as as his own ass, whenever they were fixing the lock, and he takes the the camera from the locksmith and shoves it up the 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 drain pipe, because the Nazis come in and they look through stuff like they they knew they that something was going on, but they couldn't find a camera or anything, so they suspected it, but they couldn't find anything, so they they were free to go. Um, there are, there are situations that Saul is in where he is, he is completely 100%, um, motivated by his, himself and to the detriment of the people around him. He is, he is going to, to find a rabbi and bury the boy. He wants to do those two things. Um, he even offers to look for look for jewelry and stuff just to find out where that transport came from and and then decides after he looks through the passports and stuff to go and talk to the rabbi that's that's putting all of this stuff in the fire and burning all of the passports and paperwork and all of this stuff from the jewish people that have just died and he won't help him He'll say, he'll say, he'll say Kaddish, but he's not going to help him bury the, bury a boy. Um, he's very motivated and, and I don't see that he directly is responsible for anyone else's deaths. If, if anything, he does save cats. He saves, um, the, the rabbi at the end who isn't a rabbi um he pretends to be a rabbi um through through those actions that he, that he takes um he gives the he gives the rabbi the fake rabbi his jacket so he can pretend to be uh somebody he's not to save him and 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 I think that that's that's one of the complexities about this film is that um this man that's on on a mission um of his own of his own making interacts with all of these people who have their own agendas 
who have their own um their own needs their own wants outside of just surviving in this in this camp and um i think it's very com- complex and um i really appreciate that yeah yeah you're right it is kind of like blaming the victim saying that he's the one responsible for it when it really is the germans doing it um, right so it, yeah you it, it is tough to put blame on him i i would say though i think that his actions of saving the camera and such were self-motivated i think it was mainly that he didn't get caught that he didn't get taken from it and he found the gold which ended up he used for himself when he was in trouble at the other Sonar Commando unit. But yeah, putting the blame on him isn't fair. So you're right about that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the smile at the end. His, his last moment that we see of how you're seeing the empty door frame. And when I first watched it, you expect soldiers to come through it. And it's just a boy, blonde haired boy. Yeah. So this the end to the film is different than the end to the screenplay. I have the screenplay. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Did you read the whole screenplay? I like the end of the film um a lot better the way it was shot than the end to the screenplay. The end of the screenplay has that boy actually come in to that shack and yell at them in Polish. Um and then and then leave. And then the boy is is um, is found by the Nazis, and then the Nazis go in, and and all you hear is the shots, and the boy runs off. Um, but I like it because he's connecting with with a boy in that aspect. He he just sees whatever he sees. the The boy isn't anything like the the dead boy. He has blonde hair. The dead boy had had dark brown hair. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's it's. I I thought in that scene that he was imagining the boy, and then it shows the boy outside of of in in that breakaway. Um, that's the only time we leave him. It's the only time we leave Saul. We don't see him die. Um, I know he's a, a like a peasant. Polish boy, but I don't know if he's, you know, you don't know which side he's on. You don't know. It's, it's very enigmatic. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I like, I like his smile, but I don't understand his smile. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what he's thinking. And I think that's part of, part of, um, part of Saul's character is, is a lot of times you don't know what he's thinking. You know, it's motivating him, but you don't know what, what he's thinking. Um, and I think that's a lot um, a better way to end the film. And it's the only time you see any emotion other than just kind of blankness or anger on him. Mm-hmm. It's the only time you ever see happiness on him. And it's weird. It's weird to see him smile. Yeah. Right. I think when I was watching it the first time, I, I think he, there's some realization that, some acceptance that he couldn't give the boy a proper funeral but at least he saved him from being cremated the way everybody else goes 
And this kid is the personification of that. He was able to do something for the kid. And it's so frustrating <laughs> to face the reality that they all just died. That they all just accomplished what they could. And the the thing that brings him the last bit of joy in his life is the thing that ultimately gets him killed. Right? Like you're saying, right? It's the, it's the Germans, right? But in, in the terms of the symbolism of the movie, this child at which he smiles at and brings him some semblance of peace in his final moments is ultimately what led him to his final moments. I saw it also was kind of him being so obsessed about this child and then seeing a child of all things. I, I When I saw him smile, I thought it was more like, oh, this is kind of a sign. This is a sign that it worked, that my redemption worked, and that that even though he he probably fully understands that this is not good that someone has found him, that a child has found their shack. But I think he he always knew he was going to die. He's accepted that throughout the entire movie. So I think him knowing he's going to die with a sign of sort showing that his last struggle within the last two days was worth it in some way, that he did regain some humanity. He was able to smile. He was able to probably think of the innocence of childhood and, and see someone that as far as we know, is not affected by this in, in, in his mind. He's not a soldier. He's not. Yeah. I think it would have been, it would have taken a lot from the ending if he had walked in there and started yelling at them, because I think that would take away the innocence of this kid. It would, it would make him a lot more um, antagonistic, which I think would, would um, put too much of a personality on him. When I feel like the reason he smiles is because he, he can put, an optimistic spin on this kid. Um, yeah. Cause it, it, it's very much, yeah, you don't get it. It's it. I don't understand it. I don't understand his smile, but you can talk about it all day of why you think he did. Yeah. And yeah, this entire movie is really about kind of guessing people's motivations and, and what's driving them because like, like we've been talking about what would drive you to do this. What would drive you to even become one of the Sunder Commandos to, to do that to live. And and I think the question of all these people throughout is is we see what you're doing, we see what you're forced to do. How are you still alive? How have you still managed to stay alive? Well the beginning of the film does say that these they they were only they were only allowed to live for a few months. And then and then the list that it, was it Biederman that that was told to make the list of right. 70 people that you that you don't need mm-hmm. so he knows that they're going to be killed and replaced um and and Saul was was in there so they know that that's right around the corner that they're going to be they're going to be executed soon um they're more or less the walking dead um they are they are Saul's remark, we're already dead, is 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 true. It doesn't matter what they do it, it, when they're in the camp. It doesn't matter day to day what they do. They're going to die just like everybody else. Um, that little slice of freedom that he has at the end of being in the shack um, and seeing the boy, um, maybe after losing 
the dead boy in the river and you can tell by his his the way he walks and his demeanor and his sadness that he's completely defeated that he 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 has lost his reason um his reason to go on and the the fake rabbi keeps turning around and and helping him coaching him to walk faster down the path with the and keep up with the rest of the group um i think maybe maybe the smile at the end is because he's the only one who sees the boy. No one else sees him. Um, is is him knowing that it's all gonna it's all gonna end soon, and he's he's at peace with that. He did he did as much as he could possibly do. Um, for whatever reason he did it, redemption or whatever, and um, it's over. It's finally over. I think I would have a smile on my face if I knew my my hell and torture on this earth was was going to end soon. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. What a downer. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Blake. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> 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 well, let's move on to our quotes. We kind of did something a little different because quotes are a little uh, few and far between here. I do think there are plenty of, of good quotable um, lines, but we kind of just made it where it could be a quote, could be just a specific performance or a moment in a scene that really worked for you guys. So um, I guess I picked it this week, so I guess I'll start. Um, for me, the one moment that kind of encapsulated what I really liked about this movie a lot is um, when uh, Saul is visiting Ella and um, he only stays with her for like a minute. And as he's leaving, she's pleading with him i assume just to talk and when he's turning to leave she just says saul and the way she says it and his his um lack of caring it seems to just turn away and walk away is i think indicates a lot of history between them and um also encapsulates why i like the side stories of this movie so much is because you don't see them you don't really know what's happening but you can tell there's so much behind it there's so much history in just these few days of this of this camp of of who has been in it and what lives they led during their their short time there and um and just kind of hearing ella talk made me because i i you realize once they go there it's like oh there are women here there are women doing jobs here and i I didn't even realize that until you see them and then um thinking that this is kind of their deal is you give the guard money and you get some time with a girl to just talk to just do whatever while someone just watches you right next to you um but yeah that scene really spoke to me um because it it felt really raw it felt really emotional it it made me want to know more about about them and also when Saul is having dinner with Abraham there's those guys talking behind him and the guy was saying oh I saw this girl and the look she gave me y'all it was so wonderful and then Abraham tells Saul you once talked about women you once talked about that and um just makes me sad to know what kind of person Saul was going into this and, and what kind of person he is leaving someone that has no visible emotion, someone who is so dulled by what's been happening. And yeah, I, I just really, really like that. Just that one line she says, that one word is very, very strong to me. 
He rips his hand away from her. She goes yeah. to, to hold his hand and he rips it away. Um, kind of in anger. Um, I questioned whether Ella was his wife because Abraham knew that, that he knew her, that they knew each other. And Abraham knew that he didn't have a son. So I kind of putting, putting things together, trying to splice things together in my mind. Um, it made me wonder if maybe, maybe she was his wife or maybe she was his, his girlfriend and he had never married and they, and they knew, they just naturally knew this, um, because she was working with them, but he, but he was, he was out of it. Um, yeah, there's a couple of things that are left open to interpretation, which, which I like, um, like this, this scene with Ella, um, I like it, but it could lead to a little bit of confusion sometimes. And I think this is a place where um, maybe something is said that isn't picked up in the interpretation in the, the subtitles. Um, maybe something is heard by somebody, which it could be one simple line and it is it is it explains that, but it's not put in the it's not put in the the subtitles for us to know it. Right. And that's what I, I missed. I, I'm, I'm left wondering if, if there's more to it than we saw. Yeah. That's always a worry with, with translated films too, is cause there's, there's a lot of phrases and, and, and words that can't be translated to English. Well, and having so many different languages, you wonder what might've been left out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brandon, you got a moment that you'd like to highlight or a quote? I I have I have a quote um that I think sums up the film completely and it's it's Abraham. And whenever I think of this quote, I I start to tear up. Because the way Abraham says it to him, he turns he turns to Saul while they're standing in line um to be to be counted. And he tells him, you failed the living for the dead. Um, it, it sums up Saul's motivation and it sums up Abraham's motivation. Everything that Abraham is doing is to, um, to show the outside world what is happening within these camps. Taking of the pictures, he, he's writing stuff and he's burying them out in the woods. He's burying burying stuff out in the woods so he can get to it after he escapes and and um Saul is forsaken all of that in order to religiously bury a boy um and so this this quote you felled the living for the dead um to me it 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 just that one line sums up the entire movie and it's um I feel for both of them at that moment. My jaw dropped when he, whenever he said it, whenever he came out and said it, because um, he's the only one who really speaks the truth to Saul throughout the entire movie. Yeah. It's, it's encapsulating the whole, that line of the whole film. Mm-hmm. And it, it just perfectly describes the frustration I felt with Saul in lots of points of this movie. In the 
wanting to wanting them to escape and for the rebellions to be successful even though knowing history i know the reality is not that i know going into the movie that there was no successful rebellion but watching it i I see the desire of these men to live and to persevere and it was so frustrating watching solid points to do that to to make that goal more difficult and you're right that quote abraham is the only one who tells it like it is to so mm-hmm. and, and he never really... does it he never does it violently he's never right one to hit him while other people you see are hitting each other over frustration and calling each other racial slurs which which was an interesting thing to see the anger amongst them mm-hmm. um yeah abraham lets him go at the end he doesn't force him to fight he as angry as he might be because you you gotta you must get close to people in that and and even saul says earlier you've never cared you never much cared for me before and saul just says i mean abraham just says i still don't and yeah that the relationship is so complex that i think any relationship in this scenario would be it feels real it feels yeah yeah abraham saying it as it is Jose, you got yours? Um, yeah. I think during the movie, there are a lot of moments where I was just completely uh, enamored with what was going on. In, in the sense that nothing else existed in the, in the moment. But the one that I'm still thinking about, even right now, is when Saul gets in line with the, uh, the prisoners that are just showing up and are being led to the pits. In the whole, every moment when they're at the pits and he's looking for a rabbi, that's really, I think, where I, where my opinion of Saul turned. Just his, de- you're, you're just seeing the absolute chaos and turmoil, and you see in the background the everybody getting shot in the head, and they just fall into the pit, and it doesn't phase him. He's just doing what he's there to do, and he does not care. He seems so relatively calm to the the situation that he has willingly put himself in just to find a rabbi and that scene still lingers right now the the reality that they faced and his desire to keep trying to achieve his goal was was very it it was it was melancholic you know you, you want him to to run away and get out of that situation, but you you realize that there's nothing he's not willing to do to give who he thinks his son, this boy who is he thinks it's his son, a proper burial, and that still resonates with me. Yeah, that scene was the one that I wrote about in our film criticism class, and then again submitted word for word for a second essay because <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's it, this movie really just does feel like you're just on a ride with Saul you are being you're being pulled from scenario to scenario just watching this all unfold right before you and that one specifically really is um yeah something i've never seen or felt before in a movie is being forced to put yourself among the people that are going to die and, so, and like you said Saul knowing there is nothing he can do for these people they're all going to die he is there just for the rabbi and it's like 
yeah, it's like they're it's like they're faceless except looking for the one person he needs, which is is so sad to to think that people were pushed to that point and just because it really is like a, a search for his own humanity and that is such a just shows like where he is yeah just not being phased by it mm. well uh we'll move on to our quote-unquote meme reviews i know this is not exactly uh <laughs> appropriate movie for that but there have been no memes in this podcast no except for speed podcast, too. <laughs> which was right at the start yeah well you know i gotta we gotta keep each other on our toes you gotta do a very serious one every now and then <laughs> right well um what you got for a meme review jose uh my meme review I went for eight out of eight languages I do not understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. That is a good one. <laughs> Brandon? I went for um, one too few dead Nazis out of one. Oh, yeah. Because you, you only see the, you only see the you one in the... You can't have enough dead Nazis. Mm-hmm. Especially when he's just... he's prodding him around and dancing with him in the oh god oh and the doctor scene so so frustrating it shows a lot that scene shows a lot of how smart Saul is because they catch him in there looking for the boy and they say why are you in here and he says to clean and he he puts his hands up like he's cleaning and then they make fun of him and do a folk dance around him and and stuff. Um, but once they've had it, and he's quiet about it, and once they've been frustrated and had their fun with him, they tell him to get out, leave. Um, which he saves himself. He saves himself in a situation where if he would have stuttered or or acted like he didn't belong there at all um like he wasn't there to clean or anything he 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 proves that he's smart and he's smart enough to get out of situations that he's been put in and he constantly does it throughout the entire film he travels from place to place and he gets out of situations that that, that he's in he knows exactly what he needs to do to survive and get by and continue on with his his objective which to me is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And um, he shows that throughout all. He's 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 very crafty getting from place to place as he does it. Yeah. Yeah. You always hope that all the Nazis die and the good guys win in the end. Um, but that didn't happen in real life. So, yeah, at least they got they got the one in the in the chambers. Right. You assume. You assume. <laughs> what is your meme review, Blake? Uh, I give this movie 100 incredibly stern expressions out of 100. <laughs> <laughs> I I love uh, Saul's performance in this. It really is just just it's that phenomenal. Face. Yeah, the face yeah. on the on the poster is just like, damn, this shit's gonna be crazy. It's this intense. guy's gonna be stern. His yeah. look is just intense, and that intensity is just from beginning to end. Which is what makes the smile so so shocking. Yeah, it's like at the moment that things are worst, he he cuts that blank expression, that stern expression. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, that wraps up our discussion well, we of... Do, yeah, we didn't do our actual rating. Oh, oh, right. I forgot. Actual rating. Who wants to start? You start. It's uh, your film. My yeah, film. Your, your movie. I'll give this movie a 10 out of 10. Um, I know I already said it twice, like last week and this week, but... That's all right. Um, yeah, it, it is... It really is a movie that I've never seen of its kind. It's a movie that um, made me feel more um, more dark and more just reflective than any movie has in a way that is not because there's some there's some movies of like fictional films that make you feel like hopeless and just sad for humanity, but this one being kind of a, a document documentation of real life events in this way really just puts it in a whole nother spin and and it being so so expertly shot and so well written and having so many interesting side characters it it really it's a cut above all others and um i think this is a perfect movie to me brandon what you got um, I'm giving this movie a nine out of 10 and through no fault of the movies. Um, the first time I watched it, um, I, I had to decompress and I wasn't looking forward to watching it again. I, um, I had to, uh, I had to buy season 11 of, of Dr. Who in order to get my brain to stop working this way. And then season 11 of Doctor Who um, is really preachy. So so I didn't really get away from anything. Um, but I watched the entire season this week as well. Damn. Um, <laughs> that's only 10 episodes. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. Still, that's a lot. Um, but um, on the second watch, whenever I did watch it, I um, I enjoyed it a lot more. But because I'm an American who, who, you know, uh, who went to college and took an entire year's worth of, of a foreign language and cannot really speak it at all, even after two semesters of it. Um, I feel like there's more to this movie that I didn't see and I didn't hear. Um, and I want that. I want that those bits of movie um, and, and there's no way I can get them completely my fault, but not being able to get them through the film um, I think is a disservice to the film. Mm. Not, not being able for, for someone who doesn't speak multiple languages of the film. Um, there's no way to get, I, I don't, I don't feel like there's a way for the film to deliver the full impact that the film may give someone else, maybe a Hungarian or a Jewish person um, or a person who speaks multiple languages of Europe. Um, I feel like I'm missing something, which maybe, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should take a couple of classes on uh, and learn how to speak. Uh, what? Yiddish and Hungarian, maybe I can understand more of the film. Well, we'll hear back from you next week on your course uh, yeah. progress. Yeah, I'll 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 just take uh, what's it called? What's that? Uh, 
What's that shit that says, oh, you can speak this, you can start speaking foreign language in a week. Here with this app. <laughs> Duolingo? <laughs> yeah, Duolingo or something. <laughs> Some crap. Rosetta Stone. Yeah. Rosetta or Stone. you could just go on a Mormon mission. They teach you a language real fast. Yeah, I'd only go to Orlando for that. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Orlando. Orlando. <laughs> Jose, what's your real review this week? I think it it has to be 10 out of 10. And this movie is so incredibly frustrating for me. And that emotion alone, the, the ability to elicit that in me and is is just it has to be a phenomenal movie. And I, I wish I did understand more of what was going on in it, but these, this story, where you're able to, this this story it takes place during one of the worst things that's ever happened in human history, to be able to just experience it is truly a pleasure, to. To watch this movie and be able to be frustrated and upset and sad and just overall down is is difficult. And I will never be able to feel what anybody in this situation felt. But the ability but just being able to feel an ounce of that, a the smallest percentage of what it would have been like to have to fight for your life or to have to fight to give your son a the religious bur- burial that you think they deserve is it's so well done and so it's going to be a hot minute before i watch this movie again but i think it's a movie that everybody should watch at least once in their lives yeah i agree well it's about time to wrap up our discussion of son of saul and mm-hmm. uh talk about next week's film which is just as brutal we are watching shrek um with two of our good friends who co-host their own who co-host their own podcast uh stephanie and rachel are uh coming on to talk about some good old onion times and uh their podcast is steph and ratch aren't funny so um Definitely worth a listen. Yes. Especially after listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because we aren't we weren't funny this week at all. Yeah, we're not funny. They're <laughs> definitely they're definitely funny. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna be uh watching that and having a good time with Shrek. I personally think Shrek 2 is better, but I'm sure we'll get around to that. Yeah, we will talk about that. <laughs> so I guess um we could wrap up this movie by looking forward to Uh, animated goodness yes (laughs) (laughs) tune in tune in next week (laughs) yes (laughs) 